deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shriekcast, no longer a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans. I'm your host, DC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we, we've taken a week off. We were a little busy this week. Um, we got a little gaming in, but we had to sort of put the Hunger Games on, on the back burner this week. Uh, and we haven't had a chance to, to catch up for a while. How have you been doing? What have you been up to? How's life? Gosh, what have I been doing? Well, I have a dentist appointment this week. Uh, yeah, that's why we're recording a little early this week. We are. We're on a Tuesday instead of a Thursday because I have an appointment on Thursday and I'm going to be uh, it's So it's not even like overlapping with our recording time, but I'm like, I'm going to be so grumpy and they're going to have to like numb my gums and my teeth. And I'm just going to be like, like pissed off. <laughs> so I'm not going to want to do it. Um, but but I've got I've got real dental fear. So I'm like, mm. it's like ruining my whole week. I've like been dreaming about it. I've been like not able to sleep because I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking nah. about it during the day. I'm like looking stuff up. I haven't been to the dentist in probably between 10 and 15 years. Who can blame you with uh, how dental is like not really a thing here? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Teeth is very much an afterthought, um, which I think makes going to a dentist that much scarier, right? That much more of an, uh, an annoying uh, uh, ordeal to go through. It's not a fun thing to spend money on, I'll say no. that much. Um, no, no. I, I am very, very lucky in that I do have dental insurance through my work um, as of like the last year or something. So part of the reason that I'm doing this is like you want to use it and you're in your benefit year or whatever, but it's like it covers up to like a really small amount of money and then you're on your own. So it's like it's like really if you have any kind of issue, you're 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 on your own. We're never getting good health care in America. That that ship has sailed. That 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 one's out of there. I have a stopgap proposal for you here. Sure. Do you remember going to the dentist as a kid and getting to pick like a thing, uh, like a toy out of the out of the goodie box at the end? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could get like the sticky hand or like a bouncy ball. I think right. one time when I was a little kid, I got like a Pokemon oh, like cool. Polly Pocket thing out of there. That's that's great. That's a great one. They should bring those back, but they should like do them for adults. You should be able to get like, I don't know, what would be like a good goodie bag treat for like an adult? You know, like you're going to the dentist, you're, you're, you're nervous about it, you're, you're not looking forward to it, but but you're looking forward to pulling a treat out of the box at the end. What what do you think? What, what would be good? I mean, I'd take some Pokemon cards. Yeah, honestly, I mean, they, I, w- I would take the sticky hand thinking about it. The the like stretchy hand <laughs> sticks to stuff. I might be happy with that. No, that's a great idea. I'm trying to think of some adult stuff. I could use a new pair of socks for sure. Socks. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Would be nice. Uh, stuff that you just like use every day, but don't want to buy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe maybe. Like they could validate your parking or maybe if you took like a like, do you have like a coffee shop punch card or anything like that they should be able to punch those for you maybe mm-hmm. 
you know, just just some nice little bonuses, some nice little treats. Yeah, because we're, we're never getting insurance, but maybe we can get like a little just a little goodie, a little treat at the end of the dentist appointment to make it all all worthwhile. Because if you're paying them, God knows how much money to poke around in there, maybe they could spend some of that on. Uh, I don't know, like a bouncy ball with like a little alien inside of it or something. I, I don't know. Maybe there's like a jackpot in there and it's mm. like in a in a little like plastic container and it's just a piece of paper and it says like one free filling. <laughs> one free. Um, What's the what's the bit in the dent? It's the is it the fluoride cleaning where they like make you where they like put the like really sweet put the goop, goop on there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They that's the, fluoride. Yeah, they put the goop in the in the little tray thing and put yeah. it around your teeth and then you have to suck on that like tube. So it sucks all so you don't swallow any of the goop that they're putting in there. Mm-hmm. I mean that that sucks, but it does it do, I will say that that like makes my teeth feel pretty good afterwards. So maybe like a free one of those. Um come in and get my <laughs> teeth gooped. Uh, a free veneer. You only get one. <laughs> Your one tooth is going to look like a Hollywood tooth. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. God, for one one free veneer. Which would you choose? Like a fang or like a front oh, tooth? Oh, a fang easily. Yeah, that's, veneer that's fang. Obviously. And then if you maybe go to the dentist often enough, you might get a second free veneer if you hit yeah. the jackpot twice and then you can get the two two vampire fangs. That's something. That's that's the American dream right there. You can't you have to pay for everything, but you can get one free veneer at the dentist office. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. My my sad dental insurance story is that every time I have dental insurance, I like go to the dentist and I at some point in my childhood chipped one of my front teeth. So it's like half fake. Um, and there's like a metal post in my tooth that holds the like fake half in there. And every time I go to the dentist, they're like, we'll try, we'll try to tell the insurance that, that it's like structurally unsound. So they'll pay for you to like get a new one or like get Uh. a veneer or like something. And it gets denied every single time, but like you can see it for sure. Uh, but I, I guess it's like, it was one of those things where they gave me the, the like fake half and they were like ah this will fall off in the next two years you're gonna be biting an apple it'll just like crack right off and you'll get a new one so this is just temporary and it's been you know 20 years and it's still there it's still there okay well hey at least they did a good job i guess that (laughs) they did (laughs) my my dentist story is uh that when i got my wisdom teeth removed uh, and they sent me back home with like whatever pain. I think it was like Vicodin with some some very strong right. painkiller. It was the week that Halo three came out. Ooh, I, you know, I, I took a like a day off of school because it was like on the Friday or whatever. Went and got my my wisdom teeth done and had to take all the painkillers because it was really obviously like oof, owie. That's a big big mouth surgery thing um but they uh 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 you know i or i i just got sent home and i was like cool i'm just going to veg out and play halo while i recover here and i didn't remember any of it of course because like the painkillers were very very strong and i would just like sit there i guess and (laughs) i remember like after finishing 
the like painkiller routine that they had me on post-surgery loading up halo 3 and going into you know how there was the theater um where you could like watch replays of games and stuff Mm -hmm. i had been going into one multiplayer map (laughs) which was the i think it's called narrows it was the multiplayer map where there's like the bridge in the middle and then next to the bridge there's like uh there's like the hover cannons that'll shoot you over to the other side of the map I, I, I just had all this like like replay footage of me loading up that empty map and walking back and forth between those two hover <laughs> things over and over again <laughs> that I didn't remember doing. <laughs> That's so funny. The highest I've ever been playing Halo by myself, waiting for my wisdom teeth to recover. <laughs> Yeah, well, I still have my wisdom teeth, and they'll probably tell me I need to take them out. So maybe I need to pick up a copy of Halo Three. Hey, hey, Halo Three, pretty good, actually. Hmm. Thinking about it, the Halo campaigns might be fun for us to play through on our bonus content. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, yeah, more, more, um, <laughs> more, more shooting embarrassment for me. <laughs> you can drive the car. Yeah, sounds good. I'm sure that's uh, that'll work really well. <laughs> Uh, anything, anything else been going on other than the looming, the looming dentist appointment? Um, yeah, let's do a, let's do a live. Am I the asshole post right here? Okay. 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 Sure. Okay. So background, everybody knows it. I'm in a small community strings group. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, let's see, one, two, three violins, two cellos, one viola, and then another violin who is like the director of the program. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have been playing the same songs for so long. And mm-hmm. then we got some Christmas music and there isn't very much of it. And in my opinion, the arrangements are not very good. So there's been some like rumbling amongst the members of the community strings group that mm-hmm. our music isn't too good and we need like new stuff to play. But they're all you know, adults who have been playing an instrument for the first time in the last few years. And so they don't have like a whole lot of context as to like how to get new music or even what kind of music to play. Um, And like have been Googling like quartet music because that's Mm -hmm. what the director keeps calling us or quartet. And it's like, well, there's more than four of us, but I kind of see how you get that. We are playing, you know, music in four parts. Um, but nothing comes up when you do that, right? You get like Muse Score, which is that like website where people can upload oh, their own stuff. Yeah, so they're yeah. like, they're like, what do we, how do we get music, right? And so I said, I have some music around from when I was in high school. I could bring some in and you mm-hmm. could like check it out or something like that. Here's the Am I the Asshole? Um, one of the women... <laughs> As I as I like have shared the music casually amongst ourselves, not even saying, oh, we should play this in the group. Um, she was like, is this normal? And I said, is what normal? And she said, for musicians to pass music around like this. <laughs> I was like, sure, because I don't fucking know. Right. Like we're mm-hmm. not I mean, we are musicians, but we're not musicians. Right. Right. So I was like, sure, whatever. Um, And then 
So I like brought in like this music I had from high school. And then the director at some point was, we were like talking about one that we could like potentially do. And I mentioned the arrangement that I really liked and stuff. And she was like, do you have the music like to use? And I was like, well, you'd have to ask my high school orchestra teacher. And she kind of laughed and was like, ha ha, make copies of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I get the disapproving look from the woman who asked me if it was Uh normal to share music around. And she's now upset that I have like (laughs) brought her into my like illicit music, uh, stolen music crime ring. You've made her an accessory. Right. Exactly. And it's like, I sent her a link to a Google drive with that music in it. And now (laughs) it's like, she's holding my weed. Right. Yeah. 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 Am I the asshole? No, I no, I you are not the asshole. I I love I love this story. I love this <laughs> this drama, the high drama of the local string practice group. Yeah, we're not taking <laughs> the, the show on the road anytime soon. <laughs> let me say that the publishing company is going to is going to come down hard on you. They're going to they're going to walk into the music store mid practice and say, "We heard, we heard you were playing our arrangement of the Halo theme." Or uh what was what was it? What was it that you copied? What was it that you you brought to them? It is a junior high school arrangement of uh Jupiter uh from Holst's The Planets. <laughs> Uh, Mars bringer of lawsuits. It sounds like that's uh, right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna uh, uh, taste taste the the cold steel of of Holst's legal team. This is very scary. Yeah, I know. I, well, like it, like at best, I like burned this woman a CD. Right, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's sort of the level yeah. that I think this is on. Is this normal to burn a CD? Yeah. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares is the real answer, right? Like it's from it's from high school. It's music you had line. No one was playing it otherwise. It was just sitting there, right? Like right. might as well put it to use. Yeah. That's what music's for. You're supposed to play it and enjoy it and share it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And it's so yeah. it's so casual, right? I'm not mm-hmm. supplying it to the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra no. to uh uh you know, sell tickets to go and see it and then like sad for the arranger, I suppose. <laughs> that would be pretty funny uh to get like a like a world-renowned professional orchestra to play like uh They'd like to do like a, a a recital of 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 like high school repertoire. Like you get yeah. the BBC proms to do like a, a middle school Frere Jaca performance or something. That would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, get them to perform uh, Palm Polka, uh, yeah, etc. Yep. Um. Yeah. God, that's so funny. I I'm I remember. So many people acting like that in like the early 2000s, sort of just like right as like Napster and CD burning and iPod stuff was taking off. Like, I, I just haven't heard anyone have an opinion on sharing music like that in a really long time. The the like 
oh my god how could you how could you burn me a cd that's so fucked up type stuff right i, I remember i remember just like you know bringing my friends see like playlists that i'd burned onto a cd or whatever and getting a like a disapproving uh uh, uh talk from like their dad or whatever right yeah but but not i i have not experienced that in a really long time i don't think it um it it was one of those moments where i was like do i just not uh like meld with normal society because it just like <laughs> caught me so off guard that someone would even consider mm-hmm being upset about this and i'm like oh i guess i don't really like hang around like (laughs) normal people (laughs) general society i guess and i was like oh yeah i guess that's something that someone could be upset about i guess i guess you you've brought them into your into your dark crime ring your 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 music your music uh, uh, black market you've got here. Um, yeah, I like scanned a recipe out of a book and printed it for them. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not like you're posting it online for everyone, you know, you know, and, and even that I think would be OK. But like, I, I mean, like, this is the kind of thing where, where it's not even like a, a gray area or a moral stance, really. Like, it's not it's not like you know, putting stuff on the Internet Archive because you believe it needs to be shared or whatever. It's literally just like we're playing this, you know, let's play right. this together. You and me specifically, uh, not 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 strangers uh, getting it for free, which I also think would be good. But like I at least can sort of understand having, you know, qualms about copyright in that instance. But this is just very funny to me. It, it was very much a, am I going to get in trouble for this kind mm-hmm. of thing? And I just mm-hmm. want to be, I just, I uh, want to reassure her. No one cares. <laughs> I feel like you'd probably get like the same reaction if you pulled out a vape in front of her or something, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just the, oh, am I going to get in trouble for being around you while you do this type thing? It's like, no, it's, I'm... Yeah, I'm allowed if, to. It's fine. Don't worry about it. If they're going to come after anyone, they're going to come after me. <laughs> for, for sharing Holst. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's very, that's very, very unorthodox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that is so funny. How's, how's the practice been going since then? Has, has, has there, has a pall been cast over the proceedings or is everything, has everything kind of returned <laughs> to normal since this? Well, I, so that's the thing, right? Is that, um, this happened two weeks ago. Um, and this past week, it so happened that the director of our little group had a like performance that she was doing separately. Mm-hmm. So most of the people in our group went to go see her perform. Uh, mm-hmm. and I couldn't because it was way past my bedtime. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was just me, the violist, and one cello practicing this past week. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be this week that we are meeting up with the full group again. So I'm, like, really anxious. And then I'm going to, like, am I going to bring the holst? Like, am I just going to not <laughs> care and bring it anyway? <laughs> just have it. Just have it ready to go in case. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fine. Why not? Who yeah. cares? Who cares? It, it's right? holst. 
If 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 you didn't if you didn't bring the sheet music, you could probably get everyone to play it from memory anyway. It's a very famous song. Yes. I mean, the the copyright issue is that the arranger Deborah Baker Monday yeah. is like that's that's where the copyright ish mm-hmm. stuff comes in, but yeah. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. on. It's just it's just for practice. It's just for practice. We're not taking the show on the road. We're not a uh, <laughs> selling copies of it it's fine i got i had it in high school it's been sitting in a pile in my room yeah yeah that's fine it's it wasn't going to get used otherwise so why not right uh i have one more piece of uh 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 news to ask you about that i just i just forgot about until now but i think is is something rather serious and rather important that we do need to cover on the show sure. yeah um can you tell me what's going on with the seasonal attack p oh yes i can sort of um the seasonal attack p disaster um is that <laughs> is that Neopets.com, famed virtual pet website, um, has an item called the Super Attack P, um, and its Christmas counterpart, the Seasonal Attack P, that are just like, okay, the picture is of a little P, like, <laughs> you know, like a P mm-hmm. in a pod, yeah. um, wearing a little cape. And in the Christmas one, it's wearing a little Santa hat, I think. And they are the most powerful or one of the most powerful items in the Battle Dome, which is like the mini game, like kind of <laughs> it's the Pokemon mini game. Yeah. You make you make the Neopets fight each other or whatever. Um, and it was extremely scarce until this year where Neopets decided to put it in their advent calendar Um which is there once a day. I mean, it is an advent calendar. You get an item once a day in December. Um, and it just like tanked the pr- the price from being like billions of Neo points to like 300,000 Neo points. Um, and then there was like this whole back and forth because people were mad. So they took it away. And then people were mad that they took it away. So they brought it back. And then they, people were like, oh, but I missed out. And this like horror, this like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So they were like, okay, we're going to bring it back at a lower percent. And then people got mad about that. So it's just been this like whole, whole drama. And and it, I, I I know that it reached it reached John Legend's inbox too. Quite a, a a problem for the community. Yeah, and you'd think that as the Neopets ambassador, he would have spoken up by now. He hasn't spoken up about this really important issue. Yeah, yeah, and they did it again. They re- released the Snowickle, which is a very rare uh, pet pet on Neop the Snowickle, um, the little pet pet that's very cute. Um, it uh, also has like tanked from like billions of Neo points to like 300,000 Neo points pretty much overnight. (laughs) The economy is in shambles. The economy is in shambles. The money fandom needs to intervene in Neopets. I think there's something, something going on there. Uh, they do need the money fandom. That's the thing is that the new CEO is like clearly a big part of the money fandom and is just like terrible at it. In, in, In ranked money matches, he's not. He's not a very good money money player himself, it sounds like. No. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that I hope that Neopets survives the winter, you know? 
well, I made a tweet saying that it wouldn't, so I'm hoping that it doesn't so that I can be proven right, which is more important than anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I would I would love I would love to uh, uh, keep on learning all about uh, the ins and outs of the money fandoms exploits in the world of Neopia. But we have a chapter to get to for this week, don't we? We have two chapters, right? Two. Two chapters. Two. Okay. I was worried that I read ahead no. for a moment. No, no, no. I uh, I just, I simply, um, you know, when I do a reading, that's a chapter, right? I, this is me being dumb. It's a, ch- a chapter of your time. That's right. Well, we read chapter 16 and 17, so I'll jump into chapter 16. Um, uh, last time on The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, um, Katniss saw that the Avox that she has assigned to her uh, was was Darius, who we remember as the nice cop from District 12. Um, she's pretty shocked seeing that uh, and spends as much time as possible alone in her room until eventually she has to go to dinner, where they watch the recap of the opening ceremonies. She thinks it is uh, quite a pitiful display. The tributes are all aging and sad in their costumes, and it just uh, has a little bit of a different tone than when they parade those uh, those kids out there. Um, the next day is training day, and Hamish instructs them to make some friends to team up with in the games. Katniss is reluctant, but Hamish convinces her, explaining that the other Hunger Games all-stars have all known each other for years, whereas Katniss is the outsider and is at a disadvantage. Effie takes them to the training center, where we meet our quirky cast of characters. Uh, Peta breaks off to throw spears with Brutus and Chaff. Brutus is from District 2 and Chaff is from District 11. Uh, Joanna is wrestling in the nude um, at the wrestling station. Uh, Katniss goes to the knot tying station and meets up with Finnick again, who is very good at tying knots because of all his net experience. Katniss goes to the fire making station to learn how to make fires without matches. There she meets the two tributes from District 3, Beatty and Wireless. They're nerds, and Katniss likes them a lot. They have a brief, coded conversation about uprisings in District 3 and the increased police presence in District 12. Um, uh, Beattie and Wireless point out that the game makers who are watching them are protected by a force field this year, but the force field has a weak point. Peta has become quite popular while Katniss was hanging out with the nerds, and when they meet up for lunch, she explains to Katniss that everyone else makes fun of Beattie and Wireless, calling them nuts and volts. Katniss agrees to try to socialize at lunch and meets the following people, Cecilia, Woof, an old guy, Cashmere, Gloss, and Megs. Uh, Katniss tries to hang out with the sor- at the sword fighting booth with a tribute named uh, Inoberia, but she clearly doesn't want to team up. Katniss is discouraged since the only people she wants to team up with are an 80-year-old woman and Beatty and Wireless, so she loses herself in the archery booth. While she is shooting, she doesn't realize that she has drawn a large crowd due to her, her epic skills. Uh, suddenly, everyone wants to be friends with her. It's time for a, a little, their little like private sessions with the game makers where they are scored. Uh, Katniss goes last, so she has to wait for everyone else and Peta, whose session takes a long time. When it's Katniss's turn, she realizes the game makers look annoyed by Peta's performance, whatever it was. Um, and she concludes, since she is vowing to protect him in the games, that she needs to make herself a bigger target than he was. Uh, she takes a target dummy, hangs it. Uh, like from a noose, and paints the name Seneca Crane on it before covering it in berry juice that looks like blood. Chapter 17. The game makers are horrified by Katniss's performance. Plutarch Heavensby looks steadily at Katniss and dismisses her. 
At dinner, Peta and Katniss are both reluctant to tell Hamish and Effie what they did, but Peta goes first. Um, it turns out he painted a picture of Rue on the floor using the camouflage paint. Uh, Katniss explains what she did next uh, with the hanging of the training dummy. Um, Effie is confused how Katniss even knew about Seneca Crane being dead, to which she responds that President Snow didn't act like it was a secret. Effie is in shambles and Hamish is angry. Peta tells Hamish that they decided against having allies in the arena. It's time for them to get their training scores from the game makers. Katniss and Peta both get 12s, likely from the game makers to make them more of a target. Um, that night, Katniss and Peta sleep in the same bed together and have no nightmares as a result. The next day, Hamish and Effie are supposed to be coaching them for their interview, but have told them that they can deal with it on their own. Peta and Katniss spend a romantic day on the roof, making flower crowns and drawing and napping. The next day, they are prepared for their first interviews. Cinna brings Katniss her dress and explains that Snow specifically wanted her wearing her wedding dress. Once again, Katniss is on last for the interviews, and so she has to listen to everyone else go first. The other tributes are very clever, and all appeal to the audience by questioning why the Capitol would take their beloved celebrities away from them by making them go back into the Hunger Games, suggesting that maybe they have no power to change the rules and wondering why that might be. It's Katniss's turn, and on cue from Cinna's instructions, she does a little twirl in her wedding dress. However, Cinna has made some alterations. The dress bursts into flames and is replaced by a dress that looks like a blackbird costume. That's the end of the chapters. This this reading, this was a shit sandwich, I think. Although maybe <laughs> it's actually no, maybe actually it's the other way around because it's because it. There's a there's a great bit in here with learning all about the fun characters that we are going to be fighting in the arena surrounded by two really dumb sequences, I think. Sure. Uh, bring it down for me. What are the like sequences? Like, what are the three yeah. parts of the sandwich? The Darius stuff and all the Avox drama is really rushed. I like meeting all of the kooky characters at the training thing and getting to talk to BT and uh, YRS and and just seeing all the antics that the other ones are doing. And then I think that the display for the game makers and the fallout of it is really, really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's sort of how I, I, I broke I'm, it down. Yeah, I, I can totally see that breakdown for sure. The the thing that really gets me about the the Avox stuff is that, like, the, earlier in um, in the book, we sort of talked about how the District Twelve stuff um, sort of felt like a little bit of a do over. We we got like a slightly better portrait of of the city or the town that, that Katniss lives in. We got some more time with some of just like the normal people living there, what life is like in, in the district and stuff in a way that just sort of felt like a, 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 a second go at something that happened in the first book. This kind of has a similar vibe to it because we also got this exact conflict in the first book, which is that she is waited upon by uh, an Avox servant that that it turns out that she knows from her past. Um, and in the first one, it was, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you about this crazy thing that happened to me where a hovercraft appeared and shot a harpoon gun at a guy. <laughs> which was sort of a tough pill to swallow. Uh, and then this do-over, it's the exact same scene. We're getting a 
moment where Katniss realizes that the servant waiting on her is actually someone from her past. And it's a guy who has had... Granted, he appeared earlier in the book, but he has maybe had even less interaction with her than the than the redheaded woman from the first book. Yeah, this version is much more grounded, though. I'll give it that. It makes it feel like the better version to me simply because Darius had one line of dialogue. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, he did have one line of dialogue at the beginning of the book, and he did like like they they we have the um the the at least the scene where he like sort of steps up for Gale in that one moment, right? Right. Which is something, but it's so like there's efficiency, and then there's like like thin characterization, right? And and I I think that this just doesn't have enough like i don't care about darius i my my main reaction to darius existing in the first place his one line that he had to katniss in the hob or whatever which was why is she hanging out with a cop (laughs) right he didn't really do much to distinguish himself as someone who would like i i would have much interest in or sympathy for as as someone in katniss's life who could be be hurt because of something she did or, or whatever, right? Like, if we really wanted to go for, like, the knife twist here, like, the Avox could have been Gale. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's not quite, like, a totally pulled punch or whatever, but it is just a similar situation for me of just, like, I, I don't really know this guy. This, this doesn't really mean much to me. I, and and it makes it makes this pretty long sequence of her agonizing about this just feel sort of superfluous to me i think yeah i guess i can think of a lot of people from the hob that would feel more impactful to be in that position yeah um you know madge gail's mom uh the the um the traitor who gave uh katniss the goat that we got in that extended flashback yep there's lots of people who have been part of her life in this story for longer and for more significant reasons than the cop that she sort of like shared a friendly exchange with at one point at the beginning of the novel. It's 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 not it's not quite on the level of like Hamish not actually killing anyone in the I mean, he did kill, but not killing anyone important in the in the tape. Which is which is too bad because I, I uh, you know, the Avox stuff is like that's free drama. You know, what if it was a character who talked a lot previously and now can't instead of a character who said one thing? I didn't care about this stuff at all so much to the point when I was reading my summary. I, like I was like, oh, yeah, that was what was at the beginning of the chapter. But I I not to be a contrarian, but realizing that it is a do over of the first books mm-hmm. Avox stuff. I'm like, oh, this this is better. This is second draft stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly it, like it's it's definitely better than um, it turns out that I had this dream I didn't tell you about, you know, <laughs> um, but it, it just it it's uh, the, the the end result of it being like, oh, well, who, you know, who who got hurt here? Oh, the cop that we sort of vaguely knew. That's a shame, I guess. It's just it's it's it's. I, 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 like I always say, reading the, these books, I, it, it needs to hurt. I want it to. I want it to sting. Twist, twist the knife. Make, make more fucked up shit happen. I don't know. It's, it's. Uh, th- at this point, like the minor, the minor characters are like. 
it's it's approaching like Star Trek red shirt territory, honestly, right? Of like if a new character shows up who gets like a couple lines, they are probably in more danger than anyone with like an arc, right? Yeah, yeah. I assume Finnick is safe. Uh you know, I assume Joanna is probably safe. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I guess they have to die because it's the Hunger Games, but I'm still convinced this Hunger Games is like not going to come to a conclusion just based on how much of the book that we have left. And it just doesn't make sense to me for it to be a like, oh, everybody died except Katniss situation Um, that. And there's no way like I think that Peta and Katniss are going to get out of the Hunger Games alive and they can't just do the same thing that they did the first time. So there there has to be some sort of like premature end to the Hunger Games. Um, But that is my rambling reason as to why I think that the like characters that are being the quirky characters that are being made do feel more safe than the like Dariuses of the world. You're you're totally right. Like the the amount of book we have left feels very much like we are not actually going to get a full Hunger Game out of this. And I wonder because the major the the sort of major connecting thread throughout the rest of the reading here is that uh, Peta and Katniss have been given this directive by Hey Mitch to like make friends and form a team, right? Um, to 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 help them execute their plan. Like he he wants them essentially to be part of the careers this time around. Mm-hmm. And I, the way that it shakes out with with Peta making a lot of friends uh, quite easily and Katniss, I think making some good friends and sort of not really giving herself the credit that she did do that. You know, like she, she has a great conversation with BT and wireless that even like sort of includes some like coded, like talk about what the political situation in their respective districts are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that, that Katniss sort of sells herself short and is like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, no one wants to no one wants to team up with me. No one likes me. But I, I think that maybe even though this this sort of drama with the game makers ends up with PETA declaring, you know, we've decided that we don't want a team. I wonder if they've made enough friends here and that like the political grumbling that all of the um, the careers give during their interview speeches at the end here. I could see this shaking out as like the game start and they all start looking for like the edge of the map. Yeah, it's the it's the reverse heist and we got the nerds. That's right. Yes, you've you've got you need the nerds in the heist. We've got the tech guys. I I, I wouldn't call it a prediction because at this point I don't really know, but that would be my guess, I guess, is that like we're not getting a hunger game. We're going to be getting like a prison break story, maybe with Mm -hmm. all these characters, which I do think could be really fun. I mean, I honestly can't think of anything more obvious than them breaking out of the Hunger Games, considering we had the force field that was very much like, look, there is a weak point in every force field. And we had Haymitch, we had like the whole Haymitch video of going out of bounds or trying to or whatever. And now we've got our uh, cartoon cast of um, people with very specific skills, like not tying and being a nerd and 
being nude, I guess, in Johanna's case. Um, it, it, I, I like is Katniss right when she's like, oh, Joanna was trying to fuck with me by by get. It just seems like maybe that's like her thing. Like it's sort it was of she, it was Peta that said that. Peta was like Katniss. You know, she's just trying to get a rise out of you. And I feel like this means that he's just wrong. Like I'm like, <laughs> no, she wasn't. She's just nude all the time. <laughs> she's just she is just the like serial exhibitionist with no outlet. And she's like, well, fuck it. This this is I'm about to die here. I go, I guess. This is very, uh, very yeah, weird. Hell yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, good for her. I just don't think it's a skill, really, right? It's a, it's a kink. It's a, um, <laughs> it's, it's a, like she was like, she was like nude wrestling or something in this, in the training chapter, right? It was yeah, like, she was. So we know there's a force field at the edge of the map. Uh, BT. And and YRS pointed out that, uh, every, you know, every force field has like the little blurry hole that's the weak point or whatever. I assume maybe no weapons strong enough. Maybe maybe the bow and arrow is too light a weapon to 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 break the force field. But Finnick will be able to like javelin a really heavy harpoon through it. Oh, hell yeah. And maybe he can like tie a rope to it and they all climb it. I don't know. Like I, I see I see what all the. There's something going on with the now I, I, this confused me, actually, because we had Morphling mentioned a couple of chapters ago, and I can't remember if we talked about this. Mm. Morphling sounded like when it was first introduced, sort of like fantasy heroin. Yep, that's what I thought. But now I don't quite understand what it is because it's not like like they're not referred to as like, oh, the morphling addicts. They are referred to as the morphlings who are very good at camouflage. Right. I don't know what their deal is. And I'm very curious to know what the morphling stuff is. I'm going to see if I can find a a morphling hunger games entry on the wiki that tells me like about the drug and I'm going to try not to I just want to know if it is like some sort of narcotic although they said morphling addict was or or is morphling mean something because we just haven't gotten a clear description of what they are what they look like or what they're doing so I'm not going to read any of it because I don't want spoilers but there is a a page on the Hunger Games wiki called morphling parentheses drug okay okay Okay, so it is a drug. Yes. We, but we just, I guess we just haven't figured out or, or been told what it does yet. Katniss knows. And she just, this is the one, this is like the first time Katniss has like mentioned a new sci fi thing and hasn't explained it, which means it has to be very important because it'll become a twist later. That's right. This is the sunglasses thing all over again. This is uh, conspicuously casually mentioning stuff again yep yep um yeah that is interesting i so i so i don't know what they're up to but but you know i'm sure they're i'm sure they're going to do something cool but joanna her thing is just getting naked god bless her i just don't know where that really fits into the plan yeah i mean maybe she's also just very good at wrestling that's true and do you think there will be some sort of like um, romantic tension with Peta maybe making eyes at 
at Johanna and making Katniss a little jealous. That's what Katniss seems to be behaving like, but Peta has really shown like zero interest in it. Mm-hmm. I like I keep thinking about that because because we have one for each of them, sort of at least like positioned in the story. Like we have we have, like like Fennec is obsessed with Katniss clearly, and and Johanna. Like, like PETA has been around her a bunch and like Katniss insinuated in the elevator, like, oh, you were too busy looking at her boobs or whatever. But like, I think that was more Katniss being petty than it was actually true, because PETA doesn't seem to have any interest in in Johanna so far. Yeah. So I'm curious if it's just going to be sort of like. Uh, 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 sort of not you know, like, like I was about to say subversion, but not even really subversion. It's more just like a joke that there's like a there's like a um, you know like a sex pot uh, uh, love triangle character for each for each of our <laughs> protagonists here that neither of them are particularly interested in because we know that Katniss isn't really interested in in Fennec so far, and we know that Peta, as far as we can see, other than being like amused by her antics, isn't really catching any feelings for Johanna and her behavior. So I, yeah, I don't know. They just, I, I'm very curious where we're going with these, with these, with these like romantic foils, you know? Yeah. I liked, um, Finnick more in this chapter than I liked him before. Like he didn't get to do or, well, he didn't get to say much, but he did like the, like comedy routine where he like ties a noose and then like pretends to hang himself or whatever and he's like haha he's he's clowning around yeah i i i like him he's a goofball and and imagining him doing all this in like the the speedo is very funny too he's just uh, a <laughs> yeah he's a very funny character to think about i'm enjoying him a lot and and i do appreciate how fun they are as sort of like cartoony foils for both like like Johanna is like the exact opposite of 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 Katniss in in that she is just like has no reservations and is you know literally putting everything out there at all times whereas Katniss is very very you know closed off and 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 reserved and and I so like I I I definitely appreciate these two the most I think as like fun new characters I I am curious whether there is going to be any sort of like romantic tension between them. Cause so far like zero sparks and, and like intentionally. So, right. Like it's just, they seem to be defined by how uninterested they are in each other or in, or in each of their right. like respective new, new characters that they're dealing with. Right. Mm-hmm. This is all stuff that we were sort of asking for, in the first book, especially in in the the last book's version of the of the training sequence, right where we just mm-hmm. sort of glossed, it. we just got like there were a bunch of careers, uh, but I didn't have time to describe all of them basically. And here we just sort of get to luxuriate in all of the weirdos that are here, and I, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, in so many ways, this just feels like a do over of the first book. I, I think now that's like fully crystallizing for me that I it just like. Between the Avox stuff and this, I'm like, this is just we're just do doing it again. Um, yeah, and I guess I guess we are. This is the the quell where we do it all again. But it's yeah. sort of funny. Yeah, I think I think this stuff is a really good doing it again scene, and I think that unfortunately the capstone to this, the like the 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 private session with the game makers do over, is 
way worse. Like it was silly in the first one when Katniss did her epic, like shooting the the the, the apple out of the pig's mouth thing. But this one, because they put a force field there, she can't do that this time. And the things she comes up with and also the thing that we learned that PETA came up with are I think these are a stretch, maybe. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure that she was going to shatter the force field with her arrow. That was like my mm-hmm. prediction going into it. But nope, it's just this like sort of. Uh, sort of nothing. I, I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't really work for me. I, I like, it made me feel sort of stupid. Cause I was just like, is there something that I don't get about it? Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think there is the final image of it. I can almost understand of like, a, Oh, I see how you get here is like, this is a cool image. This is like a defiant moment for Katniss. She, she, she gets a mannequin, like a training dummy and she, she ties it. She like hangs it kind of, kind of like as a, as a statement piece and then writes, writes Seneca Crane's name on it. I, you know, if, if this was something that the game makers like walked into their break room and saw, like just as is, I'd be like, oh, OK, wow, that's sort of a chilling image for them. Right. But I assume that this had to take Katniss like 15 minutes to get together, <laughs> just like walking around the room going, like, OK, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm building up to something. Uh, OK, shit, I got to hang this thing. I need to build like a like a gallows out of uh, let's see, I've got a projector. I've got a rolling chair. Um Okay, I'm gonna tell. Oh no! Okay, the the stand I made isn't strong enough to hold this thing. Give me a second. Like just just taking forever. Like there's just no cool way to do this. Just the image of her just like walking around this this gym, kind of like picking up pieces for her art projects. It's really funny to me. That is very funny. And imagining that because it takes until she writes the name and reveals her project to the game makers, it's then that they gasp and are horrified. But I'm like yeah. imagining them like watching her hanging a dummy and being like, what's she going to do? <laughs> what, what, what is this exactly? And then seeing the name, be like, Oh my God. Yeah. Cause there's a uh, Plutarch heavens who I swear to God is the most obvious good guy, secret good guy in the world here. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's sort of like conspicuously not paying attention to her, but there's like other game makers who I assume are paying some kind of attention to her. And I'm just imagine like when they, when they're watching her hang this dummy, are they just like, Oh yeah, I guess she could do that. If she like, you know, knocked a guy out and built a frame, you know, wow, what a great (laughs) skill. The message of it is so, like, I get it. I think that, that she's she is sort of taunting the game makers and being like, hey, remember how like this other game maker died? You aren't invincible. Right. Like like the you know snow can come for you, too. But that's that is a really long walk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was right after they watched PETA do a 45 minute painting on the ground. <laughs> That is so like that is the punchline, I think, to this whole thing is that Katniss <laughs> Katniss came up with this like goofy performance art project. And then it turns out that not only did did she uh, 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 do that, but PETA also independently came up with an art project to show them. <laughs> like, I guess at least he's a painter, but it's still a ridiculous scene. And just I I fucking hate PETA. I'm sorry. I hate his ass. He's he's so annoying. <laughs> 
fuck him. He's such a he's such a sniveling little puke. I I him. Oh oh, I wanted to I wanted to hold them accountable. Fuck you. Fuck you, asshole. You're so annoying. Oh god, I hate his ass. Yeah, he's kind of the worst. He's it's it's just the I and it's crazy because I know that this is not how it's intended. I know that it's I know that it's not meant to be read this way, but he just comes off as such a smug fucking prick to Katniss when he's explaining this shit. I'm glad you're with me on the on the PETA hate train now. <laughs> like I, I've I've been kind of back and forth on him for a while. I think the thing that really seals my like, Ugh, I hate his ass feelings on this chapter is when after he's after they've had like their big blowout argument with Effie and Hamish about their their performance in front of the game makers, PETA and, and Katniss sort of have this moment of connection on the way back to the, their bedrooms where uh, uh, they talk about it and and hug and. He asks her, why did you, you know, about her like little Seneca Crane stunt? Like, why, why did you do it? And she says, I don't know. To show them that they're show them that I'm more than just a piece in their games. I say he laughs a little, no doubt. Remembering the night before the games last year, we were on the roof. Neither of us able to sleep. PETA had said something of the sort then, but I hadn't understood what he meant. Now I do. And I really dislike the reframing of that scene in this way. Right. Yeah, that sucks. The This idea that like. In in because because the thing is that was a I, I that was a scene I quite liked in in the first one because he was he was like right like he he was justifiably feeling defiant but he was so impotent in that moment like he he his his defiance there meant nothing they were about to go fight in the Hunger Games he also immediately like teamed up with the careers after this right to stay alive and to do what he wanted you know he, he immediately made compromises to to reframe that in a way that feels like oh he was being so wise and 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 uh and sage here and and Katniss didn't understand him in that moment but now she does it's just ugh, yuck so syrupy yeah yeah, I'm with you there. To, to to turn it into just like a wedge for their romance, I guess. I just I really didn't like that. I I think that it just makes Peta look smarmy and opportunistic and and pretending that he he was acting out of like wisdom and and uh like idealism in that moment in the first book and not out of like fear and like confusion and sort of like useless defiance in the face of like fascist like imperial like control is just so cheesy yeah yeah and i think that i'm just like craving more conflict and wishing that Peta and katniss would just fight over this stuff instead of just like her um simping over his like noble speeches or whatever like i i do want her to say like hey you didn't have to make a grave for rue that was me fucker Mm -hmm. (laughs) right yeah there's there's a lot in here about like like, and and this feels like it's where this book is sort of going thematically there's so much in, in here about the importance of like symbols and gestures that i'm very curious about the like conclusion of because it feels very naive 
lib like you know what i mean just like like the the most important thing that any of these people can do is not like i don't know like shooting one of the game makers in the face with an arrow or whatever it's it's making a statement that inspires everyone you know painting a beautiful painting um doing an annoying piece of performance art that doesn't really make sense Uh, having a dress that's like a color that means something slightly different than the first dress you walked in. It's just like all of it feels so hollow and like and and there's a chance, to be fair, that that's where it's going to go. Right. Is it that we're going to get to the end of this book and there, you know, Katniss is going to be like, oh, we inspired so many people in the Capitol. And then, nope, they're they don't care. They're all just like, you know, completely banal or or, or whatever. But I just I am so worried that this is going to come down to like the most important like like we're 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 edging dangerously close to the the book's premise being like well at least there'll be a lot of good punk rock during the trump years you know what i mean right yeah no i i I feel the same way like i i rarely feel like my my politics get in the way of enjoying something but i swear to god every time it's like Oh, maybe the the capital people are okay, or like we can reach them, or uh, we can make this statement, or we can hold them accountable, or we can shame them, or whatever it is. And I'm like, you literally can't do that to the child snuff filmmakers. The only option is to destroy them. Yeah, or even even if you could, like like I I there's because there's an interesting part. There's an interesting turn. In in the interview sequence where Katniss notes that like the audience really is getting worked by by the by like their you know their favorite celebs you know right yeah um which like I think could like could end up mattering like maybe maybe they will change some minds in the capital but also I I think that there's just a real naive belief that's sort of inherent in the story so far is that in that these things are like actually the thing turning the tide it, like in these like uprisings that are like kind of fomenting all throughout the uh, throughout of pan m right it's the it's it's not the material conditions getting so bad that people like have enough and start pushing back it's that like they saw a mockingjay symbol and they thought that like wow katniss the girl on fire is so cool we can we can start a riot right and it's like mm. It it says a lot to me that like the 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 best scene that we've gotten about like resistance in this story uh, with um is it Bonnie and Twill yeah Bonnie and Twill yeah their story of resistance begins with them showing Katniss that they have the Mockingjay symbol right that mm-hmm. they that yeah. they're carrying this this symbol of inspiration it's just yeah it, it 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 that is that is such an important part of of like the story and not like a byproduct of the of the material conditions and the revolution right and it's like no it's like these symbols have power uh the, these symbols inspire people rather than it being like these are the calling cards that the people affected by these material concerns it, it, it feels backwards at this point um right yeah uh it does bring us though to sort of an important discussion so the cinna katniss dress stuff do we take this as secret good guy reveal or have we been wrong this whole time um 
I don't know what to think. I mean, obviously he's on Katniss's side, right? Yeah. I don't know what it. I don't know what it does. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm very curious. Yeah, because if this is his big play, he's sort of a dick for kind of putting her in harm's way here. Right. Yeah. Like he he's 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 you know if he's if he's been so so I think I think we are right. Like speaking of symbols, we we've been one of our guesses this whole time is that he's been like sort of building her up as like the symbol of the resistance right and if this mm-hmm. is his big play is blowing up her dress to reveal an even cooler dress like <laughs> i feel like he should have talked to her first i don't know it's very <laughs> he's sort of uh pushing her in front of the train a little bit here it feels like i, I think it would be cool as if he did this and then he had to like go underground like if he just like went completely MIA. Ooh, he's like gone when the smoke clears. Yeah. That could be kind of cool. I could see that. Yeah. I I I can I can buy him being a a, resi- a secret resistance figure this whole time as long as we get a little characterization about how he might be sort of a jerk, right? That like that would be something. Sure. I don't know. I just, I just keep coming back to the symbols thing. The importance of symbols in this just feels very very heavily weighted in a way that I find silly and something that's dealing with such heavy topics right yeah it um it it feels a little bit like old style YA where like symbols are written in so that you can write a paper in school about them (laughs) I guess that's true I guess this would be like the peak of that wouldn't it like yeah 2009 I think this book came out of yeah there was there was a Hunger Games and this isn't really like a like a criticism or the fault of the Hunger Games but it definitely fell into that that era of like book that the teacher would assign to try and win some points with the class type thing yeah yeah and then you get to write your five paragraph essay about like fashion in the hunger games and what it symbolizes or whatever right <laughs> yeah exactly did you get what what which ones of those did you get in in high school or, or did, did, did... Mm, that might be lost to time in my brain hmm. i'm trying to think of what my i i don't remember if i did any of those but i remember i remember in high school like sophomore or junior year i wanted to do uh like i can't even remember what the assignment was but i wanted to do lord of the rings mm-hmm. and and my teacher was just like it was my my this was an english lit teacher too was just like no those don't really have any substance beyond war is bad and i was just like <laughs> i mean i think that's a little unfair but also is that like not a good theme <laughs> No, you got to read The Hunger Games. It has so many themes. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of those. That and assignments where people had to bring in. Um, uh, did you like 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 uh, pe- people people bringing in songs and like doing a paper on the lyrics? What? We never had that. You never got to do that. Oh, no. Yeah. Like what kind of paper? Like it wasn't even like papers. It was like presentations. We would do like five minute or 10 minute presentations to the class about like, here's a song that I, I analyze. This is in literature class. Yeah. Really? Like a, like a, like any song you got to choose. Wow. That's, this is that's why a gra- know- that's a great assignment. It was really fun, although it, it did introduce me to a lot of a lot of wacky music. And I, I'm, I'm like hyper aware of the band Flyleaf. 
because sure. of this because Christian there band? was yeah they're they're like the Christian hardcore or not even hardcore they're yeah, like Christian yeah, yeah. like new metal type stuff right sure but I, I there was a there was a girl in my class who every time we did this would do do a flyleaf song nice <laughs> yeah do you remember this, any songs that you did I did I'm trying to think here I did grounds for divorce by elbow and I did. God, what else did I do? I think I did Paranoid Android by Radiohead. And I was just wondering if people um, brought in like songs that are clearly about like bad stuff, right? Like doing like semi-charmed life. It's like that's about meth. (laughs) Yeah. So someone did someone did a TV on the radio song that was um, that was clearly about fucking. And it's it's called like uh, Wolf in Me or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and, hell yeah. And, and he said that it was about uh, being a werewolf on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, there were a lot of songs like that where people people clearly like brought a song they liked in. And that was sort of like the priority. And they didn't actually analyze other than like, I don't know, it's about like uh, trying hard or something. Right. OK, so what is the difference between saying what a song is about and really analyzing it? I'm fascinated by this assignment. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that we. I'm trying to remember exactly because this was in English Lit, um, and we would come in and we would like play the song, and then we would have to like give a little, like, like uh, uh, it was like three paragraphs or something. We would just say like the song is about blah blah blah. The, you know, the lyrics mean this, and we would. Um, I think we had to like analyze like word choice or something in it. But it was it was like an attempt just to like get us to like engage with um, uh, like literature criticism stuff more because this was huh. the same we were, we were doing this at the same time that we were reading because um, I think this would have been senior year actually we were doing this so we were engaging with like um, some more abstract books I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what stories we were reading at this point, but we, we, we were we, we were doing some like we, we'd finally moved beyond the like Ethan Frome. Sure. It's uh, Anthem, et cetera, like kind of basic stuff um, into into like more modern and postmodern stuff. It was a little weirder. And I think it was like meant to sort of get us thinking a little more laterally or something and most people just use it as an excuse to like say i really like this new red jumpsuit apparatus song or something sure but it was fun it got people engaged yeah i'm engaged what song would you have brought little black backpack by stroke nine (laughs) do you remember that song i i that is one that i think i only ever heard like the first nine seconds of on people's myspace pages Right. Yeah. That, no, that, I, I was I was um, obsessed with this song this past week because I it popped into my head and I was mm-hmm. like, what was that song about? And I looked it up and it was that the band didn't like the little black backpacks that women wore around a lot in the <laughs> mid 90s. So they wrote a little story about it. I bet they're really pissed off now because little backpacks are coming back in. No, I know. Yeah, the, there's like this interview with the band, like frontrunner, and he's like, "Yeah, I just hated all these fucking backpacks everywhere. Also, my girlfriend cheated on me uh, <laughs> and was wearing one, so I wrote the song or whatever." 
<laughs> I feel like that's a that's like a bigger problem than the backpack, probably. I I agree, but he he brought up how much he hates those little backpacks. <laughs> that's incredible. No, I I I never I'd never heard that story. Uh, that would be a good one to do a little presentation on, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and for word choice, I'm going to specifically point out the word upsmack. He wants to give an upsmack to, to the... <laughs> to the backpack? To the, to the, no, to the um, the man his girlfriend cheated oh, on him with. Um, I see. And I think that's a, a fanciful word. <laughs> an upsmack. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I yeah, I had no idea. I that was that was a song I yeah, like I I just heard snippets of and had never I did not realize it was literally about not liking a backpack. Yeah. That rocks. Um god, we got we got way distracted here. But is there anything else to to cover in these two chapters that we haven't hit? Um anything important? Um, I like that Effie is like crying this whole time and is upset about um, Peta and uh, Katniss's little performances. Yeah, she she has like a good little scene here uh, at the end at the end of that stuff. Yeah, she's like, um, she tells them like, "Oh, you can't th- you can't say those things or whatever," and then she's just like crying the rest of the chapter. Yeah, yeah, I I do like that she. Do you think that Effie is going to end up being because like we, we've sort of joked a bit about her being like the the one capital person that we want to make it out of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think that she maybe has more sympathetic uh, uh, beliefs than than she's let on so far? I sure hope so. I don't know how she got this job in the first place, but uh, I hope so. Her word choice is just very interesting in this scene. You pointed this out to me uh, when we were discussing the chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says because she's talking about she's talking to Peta, who's like, I just don't like what they did to that little girl or whatever. And she's like, oh, Peta, you can't say things like that or something like that. It's it's you're not allowed to think that or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is it's very interesting that she doesn't say like, oh, I disagree with, you know, she's like, I can't believe she's just like very pointedly like you can't say that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if she's maybe either harboring some sympathies or like developing them kind of in real time in these moments. Right. But I, I did find that pretty interesting. I'd like to learn more about her, like wh- why she has found herself in this role. Like, is she like from the Capitol originally? Yeah. All of that. Yeah. It's, it's funny that the drama around the prequel that came out, was about how like oh like we don't need a we don't need a book about like the bad guy right we don't need a book about snow mm-hmm. and I I I think that my pitch would have been I would have loved to have seen a book about Effie rising uh, yeah like like what's her background like how did she end up in this sort of like evil middle manager position uh huh she is so much more interesting to me than snow oh I mean I love snow but just like in terms of, like a character that you could really write a meaty story about i'm just like effie effie's kind of got some interesting stuff going on yeah definitely anything else anything else one more thing and i and i just wanted to bring up the part where like it's such a small thing but when katniss 
is like mad because Hamish wants them to quote join the careers. She mm. thinks in her head, I remember how mad I was when PETA joined the careers and then just like leaves it. <laughs> and yeah. I want to be like, can we dig into this? Yeah. Can we dig into that a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> like I guess I guess we did learn by the end of the first book that he did it to like protect her or whatever but he did still kill like three people. Yeah, I and I still don't really fully understand the mechanics of the helping part so I'd love to, to <laughs> dig into that one again. <laughs> they could remind me please. Ooh, I'm just biased against Peta at the moment. Fuck that guy. I hate his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Um so uh, I I have uh, uh, I, I I've misplaced my cards. I can't remember where my cards are. Um, so no no cards opening this week. Sure. Um, but I do have uh, uh, a sort of. I want to leave us with some words of wisdom. Some 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 words to think about to chew on. You know until until next time. Great. Um, because I've been I've been back on my on my beat of uh, of 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 finding news articles where something is described as being like the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. and I had one here that was already you know pretty pretty fun. Um, uh, just uh, it's from it's from Sports Illustrated. Uh, I you know I don't follow the NFL, so I don't really know much about this. But but the Cal- the Cal- Carolina Panthers. Um, uh, are the talk of the town at the moment because the uh, the quote uh, about them is uh, Panthers organization troubled by a quote Hunger Games culture per, per report. Um, oh no! Uh, 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 you're talking about this like the, the 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 training being really brutal and sort of like political infighting in in the office and stuff. Team sources described the quote Hunger Games culture at the stadium. Uh, uh, coaches said they believed other staff members were text messaging behind their backs about issues they saw with the team. So, you know, just, just, just very, you know, a lot, a lot of drama, a lot of Hunger Games drama um, mm-hmm. in the Carolina Panthers. But then I saw this one and I, I, I think this is the most beautiful headline I've ever read. Um, and it enriched my day and I hope that it enriches your day and I hope that it puts a smile on everyone listening's face, uh, I think that I think that these are some really beautiful words that we can all sort of carry with us uh, into the holiday season. You know, as we're spending time with with family, with friends, and, and and thinking about the reason for the season. I think these are some really beautiful beautiful words in this headline. These researchers put sperm through a kind of Hunger Games. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Scientific American. These researchers put sperm through a kind of Hunger Games. The research focused on figuring out what enables certain sperm to gain some competitive advantage over millions of others fighting for the same prize. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Kudos. Kudos to the sperm researchers. Good for them. Yeah. Wow. Nice. I, I encourage them to continue putting putting jizz through through Hunger Games trials. That's awesome. Yeah. 
That's wonderful. And with that, I think I think that's all I have for this week. Great. Shall we take it to the close? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast, where we've got lots of fun bonus content for you. We've got bonus podcast episodes. We've got Let's Plays. We're back on our Let's Play shit. Are you excited? Are you enjoying Alan Wake so far? I am a lot. Yeah, yeah. We're playing through the first Alan Wake and we'll be continuing the series and, of course, playing uh, some other stuff beyond that. And um, what are we going to be reading next time? Ooh, uh, we'll be reading chapters 18 and 19, I think. I'm wondering if we're coming up on another like part. Yeah. Break just because we'll be going into the Hunger Games. Okay. Oh, yeah. So... So chapter 18 is the last chapter of part two. Okay. Okay. And then chapter 19 is the first chapter of part three. Okay. That that actually sounds do that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds kind of fun to do the end and the beginning there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, until next time, happy hunger games. Happy hunger games. If you go into the dream, but there's a lady in there makes ocean raw seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.